Yeah, he got through that party faster than he got through his 40. That was impressive. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. It is Horton Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing today? Great. Beautiful. Wonderful. Because I'm out of Texas. (laughs) Out of the boiling heat. Back to a normal civilization. It was like a punch in the face every time you walk outside. When I got off the plane, the real feel was 105, and I wanted to just get back on the plane. (laughs) <laughs> just just turn it right around just, no never mind and i'm sorry to all you people who are like he's crazy like that's perfect it was it must have been beautiful there and i'm just i'm i live i live at altitude i'm not used to i'm not used to 105 i mean it, it, it didn't get too terrible especially because we were mostly inside so i mean that that did help it but. oh no well that was the awesome juxtaposition of uh the meat locker that was the inside versus the oh, actual God. That oven. Was, that was brutal. Uh, I was so comfortable. For me, that was terrible. <laughs> that, you're right. That was a meat locker. That was just awful. They had that set to, like, Turkish prison-level cold. It was just, like, actual, like, snow was falling inside. I mean, I was I was great. Everybody else seemed to have some sort of problem. I don't know. <laughs> but, of course, for those of you unfamiliar, Neil's referring to coming out here to the National Fantasy Football Convention here in Fort Worth, and uh, it was a good time. It was good to see Neil. Uh, I we I think we both agree it was really more of a fan slash like autograph hunting festival than it was fantasy convention. I don't know if I'd actually clarify that as a fantasy football convention what they put on there. Well, unfortunately, I have to agree with you, Stephen. It was very nice seeing you too. Hanging out with you in many ways was the highlight of this because. There were way too many grown men walking around with just merch trying to have it signed. And Yeah, that was it was uh, a little creepy at points. Didn't didn't care for it. Particularly the party and the guy with the duffel bag full of stuff. That was a bad <laughs> look. Yeah. Yep. Cuz it was supposed to be kind of like a moderate scale. I wouldn't say upscale, but like, you know, We'll call it business casual level party. You know what I mean? With like a DJ and it was in a club yeah, exactly. type environment. But the guy with the jerseys, especially that one guy with the duffel bag. And I understand why people were kind of apprehensive around him. because I don't think anybody searched that duffel bag. No, the security was very minimum to say the least. It was just overall very poorly organized. Uh, the MVP passes we had, I mean, maybe... If you were autograph hunting, it was worth it, but I don't think they were worth it. And a lot of the reviews and stuff I was hearing from people too were that like with uh with Zeke, like you had to buy his merchandise. I heard a lot of people like bought photographs of Zeke. I mean that made had, like that news story they had jerseys made it all the way to pro stuff. talk. That was yeah. actually being reported. Like that was an actual news report at one point coming out of the convention was that Zeke would only sign his stuff. Right, and it was before then you could have up to two items signed by Zeke at no cost just for getting in, and then like five minutes beforehand in line they were told, no, you have to pay $25 and buy Zeke merchandise and have to have it signed. So well, he also, a lot of shady things like that. I think I've got more. Hold on. We're just going to list a couple. When Zeke got to the party, he literally walked straight through the party from the front door to the back door while being escorted by security, saying hi to no one. 
and it seemed like their goal was to prove that he was at that party <laughs> and get him in and out of the building as quickly as humanly possible. That was odd. Uh, yeah, he got through that party faster than he got through his 40. That was impressive. <laughs> We need the rum, we need rim shot drop. That's, uh, we don't have, we gotta get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what sorry. we're missing. We, can't, we right, gotta yeah. stop doing the show notes, the show meeting live on the air like this. But, uh, the, the, the other one, I have more. Uh, Michael Vick signing autographs for $40. You know what's annoying to me too that is I didn't bring this up to you. <laughs> so the line for Michael Vick that was so, sh- I saw pictures after we left that of people with Michael Vick and he was signing things other than those hoodies. Yeah. I'm so angry. So angry that we didn't stop in that line now. Yeah. I saw the sign and I just assumed it was the $40 merch. Well, that was the way they... Because why else would you have the sign the one time the one they sign. have a sign? The one sign. This is where we're going to get to, people. When we say poorly organized, uh, it's odd to me that moving on from the Michael Vick signing autographs for $40 and then signing regular autographs apparently... But that I was. I still say he should have signed uh, my squeaky toys. Uh, it was, <laughs> I'm backing away from that. I'm not trying to. I'm not I'm just saying. To I'm beats, s- right? Come on. I'm not taking a case of the beats for you on this one. <laughs> if I put that on an autograph auction house website, uh, oh, you know oh, that's going on. for premium. Oh yeah, somebody. I could get I mean, that forty dollars back look, and then some. I'm just going to agree with you and not name examples of other things that are like that that I know have sold publicly on eBay auctions. Tumorman. Uh, <laughs> Zimmerman. Uh, <laughs> the the whole the whole other thing is you're sponsored by a whiteboard company for this and who's exhibiting there and there are right. no signs anywhere for anything. There's a whiteboard company, so you'd ha- you'd walk into situations where you're you just want to see okay who's that guy signing autographs because I'm sorry but you're not going to recognize all these guys outside of their uniform it can actually be a little bit disorienting where you're like I think that's who that is but half it, you know, the time really... I don't recognize the players on the field when they're in uniform yeah I can't I recognize them when they're out of uniform just standing there in a t-shirt unless okay, they have sorry. some sort of like distinguishing feature like people occasionally you'd see somebody who's got like the hair and you're like that's got to be so and so however that's also misleading as we learned. Or Fake Todd Gurley. <laughs> Fake Todd Gurley. And uh, just the whole the whole thing. You're Not sponsored me. by a whiteboard. <laughs> You're sponsored by a whiteboard <laughs> company. You could have just had whiteboards everywhere just erased the name and wrote the name. No one thought of that. So all day you're walking around like, who's that? Who's this? Who's this guy? <laughs> like, it was just, it was unbelievable. And then on the first day, there's no signage in the parking lot. And the parking attendants don't know don't know where to direct you. So, okay, I can live with that. But we walked in through the back door where there was no security and walked into the back of the convention hall where no one stopped us. And if we didn't have passes, we would have just walked right in. Like, even if we didn't buy tickets, we could have just walked right into the convention center because no one was paying attention. So we could have hung out the entire time and gone to every panel for free. I mean, it was really, it was really bizarre at points. Yeah, it was yeah. really bizarre. And then they canceled. the The biggest black eye to me was, and forgive us, listener, because this is slightly self involved. But they were doing a panel on career advice from people who actually have a career in fantasy football, something that both of us aspire to. So we thought, hey, let's just go to that. That sounds very interesting for people like us, like you know, kind of like they tailored it to 
what people in that audience might want to go hear about. And then 45 minutes later than it was supposed to start, they canceled it. And they canceled it in the most pathetic way possible by having one bearded lone individual in cutoffs who looked like he was clearly the sacrificial lamb to that point because it was not the guy running the convention. Just sadly walk out to the microphone and go, yeah, hey, guys, sorry, but we're canceling this and we're running really late because we've had scheduling disasters all day already. And this is the this is the kickoff to the whole thing. That's how it we was started. the first event of the whole thing. It was just like I said, poorly organized uh, and poorly handled. We did uh, meet some interesting people. Like I said, had a good time go. overall. That was shout out to Aiden. Aiden. Shout out to Aiden. How do you know you're listening, Aiden? Yeah, Aiden. Shout out. Uh, and we will have more from Aiden in the future yeah. for sure. One we'll, of the most we'll get on that. You later. joined us in our righteous indignance at the career thing being canceled. And that's actually how we <laughs> exactly. met. Which is why I was telling that story. And so, yeah, more from that as it unfolds. Aiden, Aiden is good people. Meanwhile, we're going to move on here. We got to get into news. We got to we got to roll the show along here. That's right, people. Know. We have actual NFL news. First time, That's 2018, right. real news. So we had Brandon Cooks sign a five-year extension for mega, mega dollars. Very interesting simply because he's still yet to take a snap with the Rams, but Apparently they like him more than Aaron Donald because they gave him money instead of Aaron. <laughs> but uh, Brandon Cooks, five-year extension to stay with the Rams. Something to uh, definitely keep an eye on, especially in terms of dynasty, because uh, this isn't going to be another one-and-done, it looks like, after back-to-back seasons of that for him. $20 million guaranteed. It would be very unlikely. $50 million guaranteed for injury. So it's very unlikely, uh, in my eyes, that they would just cut bait on him, even if he has a you know below-average season this year. In minor news, Shane Vereen signed with the uh, the Saints. This is kind of just a PSA. Yeah, don't draft Shane Vereen. Just this is your there yearly you reminder. That's the easiest PSA I think anybody's ever had. Just don't, yeah, just don't. You don't want any part of that. It's Not really, literally, just roster insurance for the preseason. That's basically it. The biggest news of the uh, week in terms of the NFL and fantasy in general was. Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers not being able to come to terms on a long-term deal. Initially, Adam Schefter was throwing out there that it was possible he'd hold out the first eight weeks of the regular season. However, when you look at the numbers, uh, because of the franchise tag, he'd be giving up $852,000 per week. Woo! So, uh, yeah, that's not happening. Just uh, You can go ahead and rest assured. I'm going to make that pro- proclamation right here, people. You heard it here. I'm breaking the news. Le'Veon Bell's not going to sit out. He's not going to miss that money. <laughs> so because of that, I'm not adjusting him at all in the ranks. I mean, if anything, I'd be tempted to move him up simply because of the fact that they're going to run him into the ground, right? Are, are they not? Oh, absolutely. They're, yeah, I mean, you're just going to use him as much as you possibly can and then dump him at the end of the I season mean, because clearly this is the end of him in Pittsburgh. Rental car is the analogy that I've kind of been going with because it, it's – you know what the fastest car on the road is, Steve? Rental car. I do not. Not your car. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point. Thank good on you. I didn't. I didn't think that. That's good. Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, my question is: Is Le'Veon Bell the Kirk Cousins of running backs? And and by that I mean, like with Kirk Cousins at the QB position with Washington for so long, for whatever reason they couldn't come to terms 
on a long-term deal, and he leaves, gets a huge deal, the deal he wanted all along, to go to Minnesota. So now, Le'Veon Bell, is it the position, because it's running back, that he's being so undervalued, or is he just, for whatever reason, overvalued because of fantasy, and in uh, the actual NFL is, is really looked down upon? You know, I wish I had, like, a real answer to that question, but instead, I, you know, I don't because I just hope he enjoys his time in Cleveland at 40 million guaranteed next year. And, uh, and that's what he wants. And if anybody's going to give it to him, it's Cleveland. See, so what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to skip the rock and roll hall of fame, Le'Veon. It's, it's, it's overrated. Like it's, it's fun, but it's like really expensive. Just don't like, okay. All flippant jokes aside, uh, I think it's the Steelers and the Steelers have a set amount that they want to pay for that position period. I think that's just the way the Steelers seem to operate. They pay very few guys. They kind of have a set amount, like this is what this position kind of pays and what we can do, and they've been like that forever. And I think that's just where you have a superior talent in Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it's just how they value running back. Yes, it's how they value running back. I would say the most likely scenario is the Jets. Sure. Uh, I mean, they still have a bunch of money. It's also possible, I don't know, maybe... Maybe Pete Carroll's texting you up. I don't I mean, know. They don't have the money. I mean, His you up texts can't. He can't be sending you up texts in the draft and then trying to court the, like what's going to be the highest, one of the highest paid free agents next year. I mean, I don't see and how they that got Rashad Penny. Yeah, they have Rashad Penny. I just don't. That's why I keep saying Cleveland because you yourself on this platform every week blast at people. So anyone who will listen in a hundred foot radius, like when you're on the street, that Carlos Hyde is terrible. He is. They are, so, but they're like, paying Carlos Hyde a lot of money. And yet they still to, have to so stay there and be money. terrible. And they, they just invested that in Nick Chubb, and they just put a ton of money into Duke Johnson. They still I have mean, so much point, money to burn. Like that's the thing. I know about they have it. money to burn, but I mean, where are you going to put him at this point? Well, Carlos Hyde's out of out of out of the team, off the team, or out of football in my equation. And then it's my. Look, I have no problem bashing Carlos Hyde. I'm just telling you they're not going to give Carlos Hyde ten million dollars to sit at home and do nothing. All right, fair enough. That's that's there's a solid, there's there's a certain logic to that. Uh, it's also possible. And, and like they just the they Jets. invested their top, their second round pick in Nick Chubb, and they put all that money into Duke Johnson. As much as the money's there, I just don't see them putting a lot into Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Who it's knows also possible what could that... happen. At this point last year, we didn't think. Anything was going to happen with the Buffalo quarterback situation. And then we've seen how that has gone. So yeah. you never know. It's still obviously we're a year away from having any kind of clue as to what that might be. But Before it's interesting we... that he's coming up next year. And at the exact same age next year, David Johnson will also be a free agent with about half the mileage on his legs. Yeah. That's so it'll be interesting be. to see what the market dictates for the two of them, yeah. assuming the, the Cardinals even let him get there. Well, also with the Cardinals in cap hell. I mean, right. they're in cap hell. So I, that's going to be trickier because they've got a lot of dead money and weird things because from just from trying to stay relevant. But before we completely move off it, do you agree that that's the Steelers in like the same way I think it is paying the position and not wanting to pay, you know, Le'Veon Bell? Per se, or do you think that that's, is it possible that maybe because of fantasy, like what, how do you, where do you rank it on that? I think it's just running backs in general. 
to be honest. I mean, like he's getting the the franchise tag, and it's the second consecutive year of a franchise tag, and it's still it's like what fourteen and a half million? Yeah, fourteen something and a half. like that. And, no, it's and literally that's, that. Yeah, it's fourteen and a half million, and that's more than that. That makes him the highest paid running back in the league <laughs> at fourteen and a half million. So that's what I'm saying. He's wanting seventeen, eighteen on a long term deal, which is more than there's quarterbacks out there getting. It's just it's just never going to happen. It, the the position isn't valued the way he wants it to be, and because of that, I, I think they're never going to come to terms. And, and we'll see if there's someone out there who's willing to pay him for that. the The fact of the matter is, he does have a lot of tread on the tires at this point. There is a lot on his legs, and the reason that I'm always hesitating to trade for Bell or, or draft Bell or do anything with Le'Veon Bell it has been the injury history. Oh, yeah. And, and you have to think that that plays a role in it. As I mentioned, David Johnson, the only main injury he's really had has been the wrist. Yeah. You know, nothing significant with his legs that I can think of other than, you know, he was he the one with the knee problems in college? Yeah, he had some uh, he had a minor issue in college, and he's had obviously wear and tear from that one season where he was a worse. Yeah, worse. I mean, other so than he's that, not exactly the picture of health himself. But other than right. uh, compared to Le'Veon yeah. Bell's injury history, Le'Veon Bell with through, the ACL I mean, tears and leg yeah. damage and the ligament problems and just over and just the laundry list of stuff that he has had to go through in his career. I would be scared of any long term deal with that. And for the Steelers themselves, the long term takeaway. I think uh, James Conner obviously comes to mind because he's the handcuff this year. It's possible he steps into that role. I think the one that's the most interesting is Jalen Samuels, the fifth-round pick out of NC State. Everything I've seen from uh, Pittsburgh media is that they really love the kid. And, you know, you think of other fifth-round picks, a la Jordan Howard is the yep. one that comes to mind oh, yeah. instantly. Guys that, you know, could step into a role. Just from the build of him, the way he cuts, the way he moves, it really feels like he's Le'Veon Bell light. And with a year in the offense, you know, Jalen Samuels is definitely somebody I'm going to take a flyer on in Dynasty uh, if you get the opportunity to. Probably will, to be honest, because there's so many other, you know, RBs higher up the depth chart for Dynasty this year. Sure, when you're building in a dynasty draft, you're always looking for wide receivers simply because yeah. wide receivers typically have a longer shelf life. And unless you're getting someone like a Zeke Elliott or a Todd Gurley or a Saquon Barkley, running backs are so unsure. But uh yeah, if I'm in like the second or third round of a dynasty draft and Samuels is there, I mean, I'd probably rather take a flyer on him than some like six string wide receiver I'm not sure is gonna work out. You know what I mean? I think yeah. he has the an easier path to being a premier player for me than uh someone deeper on a depth chart. Sure. I mean it's it's especially just it's one of those issues where they haven't been able to put much behind Bell for a very long time as well. So if you if you if you ever could find anything that I mean even if he turned into like an actual usable like handcuff at some point this year, and that's the nice easy path to playing time. Boy, that would even be a score in a dynasty draft because you're not waiting a year on this guy. Like you're, you're you're getting anything out of some of these people. So yeah, I like it. That's a good uh, that's a good flyer. All right, well, moving off the news, as we mentioned earlier, 
National Fantasy Football Convention. The biggest, I mean, really for us, there was only two massive takeaways from it all. Uh, as I mentioned on, you know, Twitter, my biggest takeaway was Liz Loza. I mean, Liz, shout out to Liz. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Super underrated. She was great. I've had people come back at me saying that they didn't like the, uh, the underrated comment because they thought she was very highly rated. I haven't seen much of her stuff, and she's pretty actually low rated on a lot of the stuff I've seen, but I, I enjoyed everything she said. I think she was kind of the highlight for me of everybody that talked. The, the highlight is always Stefania whenever she gets in front of the mic, because <laughs> li- literally, can you name anyone else who does the injury analysis in the entire industry? Well, no, that's what we were talking about, uh, actually at the show and at lunch. There, uh, there isn't really anybody else. She's carved out like that, that nice little, just kind of niche right there for herself. Yeah, she's cornered the market on it. And actually, most people I find just kind of defer to her for the most part. There's there's nobody else that I'm even presently aware of. That there's a few people that have tried, but there's nobody that has the. Her, she's always right, and that's what you need to be when you're you're uh, you're doing this. She's always right, and she always has uh, a wealth of information because now ESPN has her going to every training camp. But yeah, she was uh, she was the highlight for us, and we got a we wanted a whole you know Stefania panel. That would have been great if we yeah. had a whole you know session of an injury hour. talk. An hour. But uh, instead, we got about two good minutes, and we are we're sharing it here with you guys. It's a good question. I think um, you guys mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. Nobody talked about him. But I think some of the video we've seen has alleviated some of the concern because really. For me, it's the eye test as quarterback for major surgery. You want to see how that they look for that Um I think uh, it's some of the ones that are relatively recent. So here's one um, that didn't get any attention. Alshon Jeffrey, everybody knows he's one of my favorites. He's always on the new report. That birthday or cocktail surgery. May not be ready to go week one. I'm not sure everybody is even aware of that. That was very, very quiet. Um, Randall Cobb. Just got quietly in a walking boots right before the start of camp. Deny that. That's why last night I texted you about Pierre Garcon. I don't know why people talk about Pierre Garcon. As far as I've heard, he's pretty healthy. And he had a fracture this night. Remember, he got to that hit. was kind of funny looking. He did come back with our injured reserve. Had a stable fracture. Did not require surgery, but certainly a significant issue. I'm not uh, worried about him being ready to be played, but as I said to Matthew, it's more consequences older receiver now with you know major fracture history that's meant. So the worry you have is guys like Randall Cobb coming back with it. Remember last year, Jordan Reed. Oh there's another one. But you got every Jordan Reed's on Jordan Reed. Jordan, no, no, no. But he's always on everybody's injury radar. But how many people know that he had toe surgery after the season because the issue came at coming into camp last year. Jordan Reed showed up at camp with the problem that ended up bothering him all year, in addition to some of the other things. So those are the ones you worry about. The guys who, you know, they have the offseason, but when they get back to camp, all of a sudden there's something that hasn't really gotten better. That's what happened with Sammy Watkins a couple of years ago. It was late in the year, they found out there was something they needed to address. So those are the ones that keep an eye on. All right, so a lot, two minutes to unpack there. Uh, I'm going to go in order of probably, like, least significant to most significant. Neil, it's right. a little out of order of the notes here, if that's no, all right good. with you. No, we're good. Let's do it that way. All right, so uh, we're going to start with Randall Cobb. Uh, first of all, as she mentioned there, with the uh, he was in the walking boot in June. He uh, he just had a camp with uh, some kids in the Green Bay area. 
where he was out of the walking boot, running around, no issues, no restraints. He should be ready for uh, for training camp, let alone week one. Randall Cobb's not a huge guy on my list anyway, so it wasn't a significant one to begin with. But uh, everything I've seen for that is he should be ready to go. No restrictions, all training camp, so you can kind of just throw that one out. Um, Pierre Garçon should be ready for OTAs. The, uh, the, the major concern here is the fact that he's coming back from such a significant injury and surgery, and he's a 31-year-old wide receiver. You know, the, this it's, he's not a spring chicken. This isn't his first go-around with rehab, right? And uh, it, it's just how is his body going to react, and how is he going to be ready for the season? But he should have a full training camp and preseason for us to look at, so just monitor that situation. It's certainly something to keep an eye on, but uh, it's not something that's going to affect my current rank and projection for him. And then Jordan Reed, I mean, the note here really is that he's Jordan Reed. I mean, I, I don't, what, what else do you want me to say? I mean, the guy has immense talent. We've talked about the fact already that with Alex Smith there, you would think it's not going to hurt his value. You know what I mean? Kirk Cousins checked down just as much as anybody to tight ends. So, you know, the argument that Alex Smith is going to somehow make him even more valuable than before is kind of ludicrous to me. But I mean, you nailed it with he's Jordan Reed. He's a freak athlete. And as we yeah, already exactly. as we already pointed out, when he's healthy, he's a freak. And also, as we pointed out in the other show, and we'll point out continuously, I mean, Vernon Davis. Uh, we we always want to like laugh at it. Right, the rare tight end handcuff. Yeah, yeah. it's like the only one this year it that's pretty much maybe maybe if you want to do oj howard and uh uh cameron Braid. thank you and cameron Braid, sure but th- that's this is a more real one <laughs> this right. is a more real one than that even because you can get these guys in such disparate parts of the draft but yeah he's jordan reed it's the same note every year so he should be fully ready to go for training camp again OTA's training camp preseason, monitor how he's doing. He should be a full go by the start of the year, but he's always a full go at the start of the year. And by week three, you got to be watching it. The big news there, I thought the biggest takeaway was the Alshon Jeffrey one. I had not heard about the surgery. Uh, I'm finding out now after doing more research that apparently he tore the rotator cuff last preseason and he played the entire year with the torn rotator cuff. So good on him. Shout out to Alshon. Yeah. I mean, the PEDs clearly worked. He passed all the tests. I mean, well, he didn't pass it the year before when he was in Chicago. But he wanted to really make sure he got through the tests when he was in Philadelphia. So good on him for getting through it that time. But Alshon Jeffrey played the whole year with it. So, I I mean, legitimately, all kidding aside, toughness out the window. I mean, that guy's crazy to go through all that continue to play and put up the numbers that he still was able to. But he had the surgery February 21st. Uh, you're, out, you're out six months with that. I put weeks on here, and I'm an idiot. But six months is how long you're out with that uh, the rotator cuff surgery. So that'll put him out till about the end of August. He's expected to miss all of training camp, yep. all the OTAs, all of the preseason and remember, you have Carson Wentz coming back from a significant injury as well. So the two of them are going to have to get back in rhythm together. So even if he can be back by week one, he's still going to need time to get into game shape. He's still going to need time to get on the same page with the offense. I was thinking initially that 
maybe this could be somebody that you would target because, you know, we always talk about after the first couple of weeks, who are guys you can buy low? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Guys that maybe have a slow start and you can, you know, make a low ball, terrible offer to somebody and you could steal a player that's going to help you in the second half. When you actually look at it and look at their schedule, they only have six good matchups at wide receiver for Philly all season with four bad matchups. Three of the six good matchups that they have are in the first four weeks of the season. (laughs) So if he has a rough start to the season because he's still getting adjusted coming back from injury, it could be a really down year for Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, even if he's back ready for week one, I'm all out. I don't want any parts of Alshon Jeffrey this year. Well, yeah, like you, uh, that was kind of my first. I knew he had sustained like an injury at the start of the season last year. I was unaware that this was what it was because, yeah, I I mean, as we were saying at the start of this, wow, (laughs) that is some extreme toughness to be able to play that position with one functioning rotator cuff and, uh, I mean, go up and get the ball and, you know, win a Super Bowl, (laughs) all that. But it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 that was the, when, uh, Stefania actually had started in the audio there. She had even, you know, kind of pointed out, she's like, I don't think a lot of people know about this and it's being really underreported. Uh, but this is what's going on. I immediately kind of like sat forward in my chair and started frantically writing down what she was saying. And, uh, I have to drop him in my ranks. I mean, at this point, like, how can you trust it? Knowing what we now know about everything you just went through, like all the way, I don't, I don't want to rehash the whole thing because it's all right there for you. He's going to miss all of training camp. He's coming off of surgery. His quarterback got hurt. They have to get back into rhythm. They're going to have no preseason with which to do this. And then they have a brutal schedule because they won the Super Bowl. So they always get a brutal schedule. I mean, at this point, it's it just, uh, that's so much uncertainty that I had to go back and readjust it. And I've actually moved him down. And at this point, I'm kind of saying I'm agreeing with you. I don't trust it anymore. I'd stay away from this. And as we know, as Stefania Bell has reported in the past, Alshon Jeffrey has a lot of soft tissue injuries, which as a general thing is one of the concerns you have with him on a good year when he's theoretically healthy, is this is a guy who has a history of soft tissue injuries, and those don't like always heal properly. So, yeah. Yeah, Big right flag. now he's going at wide receiver 22. I had him at wide receiver 20, and as I said, I got I got to adjust the ranks because it's just there's no way I want any part of Alshon at this point. All right, and then the other thing we took away from that was uh, the debate of Derrick Henry versus Deion Lewis. I mean, this has become one of the biggest hot-button topics, I would say, probably in all of fantasy this preseason, right? Yeah, this is as as I've been kind of you know trying to get like an aggregate together of what people are talking about for the run-ups 2018. This is one of the five or six kind of tentpole pillar conversations that that's happening. Is the shakeup in the Tennessee backfield with uh, with Demarco Murray retiring and in all likelihood probably going to be working for ESPN here in the very near future? It would seem like that's the plan, something like that. Uh, this this whole how do you shake this out because we haven't done the team by team breakdowns here on the show yet but as a spoiler alert the Titans you know looked like they were just going to turn the keys over to Derrick Henry and then they went on out and they've uh, then they signed Dion Lewis and it just sort of threw just cold water all over everything and now and now everybody's just kind of not sure what uh, what to do 
So it's become it's become one of the most hot button issues just of 2018. I'd say it's I'd say it's probably number it might be number one actually at the moment. We'll see how things kind of shake out. The Le'Veon Bell thing was gaining some real traction there because if he was going to hold. So out. it started with the uh, this was at the the busts and breakouts session there. And Brad Evans of Yahoo, his bust, his guy he was avoiding as being overrated was, uh, was Derrick Henry. And then, uh, Liz Loza comes in as the, uh, the voice of reason, really. And then you'll hear our very own Mr. Neil Smith go at them with the, uh, the open Q&A and then Matthew Barry and Field Yates chime in as well. You want Deion Lewis, you want to rouse Tony Jason later, that Derrick Henry do not interrupt a lot of investing high draft capital and enter this season. Until Lewis tears something around Halloween. Oh, wow. He's being used in a carousel and a Belichickian offense instead of running into the ground, which is potentially what you're seeing is going to happen. He will not be a top 20 running back anymore. Really, people who clap when they started giving back to him about the Deion Lewis Derrick Henry thing. And from our perspective, it's not a question of if Deion Lewis will get hurt, it's a question of when is that going to happen. So we're actually much more bullish on Derrick Henry. So I'm going to steer that question back that way. You guys are going to keep your eye on that? Well, Dino Lewis didn't play on 16 games last year, right? So, you know, I, I, I don't care. I, yeah, I understand that might have been an anomaly. He's got a rich history of injury. But again, it's all about a value-based game, right? That's, that's what we're playing with. And when you have to invest potentially a top 40 pick in Derrick Henry, you get Dion Lewis like 60. I'm going to invest a guy who I think has a really kind of a similar floor as Derrick Henry at a cheaper price, especially with Pete Garr. Not to say that Derrick Henry can't catch, because I think he's underrated in that area. He's underutilized. But Deion Lewis is superior in that area to him. You know, for me, it's just it's a matter of draft, capital, and value, and I'm going to go the cheaper option. Ultimately, you want this argument to catch fire so that Derrick Henry's value goes down, and you can buy him because we are right. I drafted, I paid up for Deion Lewis years ago because I loved his ability to rush inside and also catch. Yes, when he got hurt, but last year he wasn't utilized. I mean, Rex Burkhead was there. They were using a carousel, James White, of bats. And he doesn't, there's not the same depth of the position in Tennessee. So I don't think he can carry a full workload. Yes, there's going to be an opportunity, but I, I do, I just think that eventually he's going to break down and that'll lead the way for Henry, especially when there's regime change when they want to evaluate all this I actually have Henry ranked higher than Lewis. I have them both fairly close together, but I just, I think even if both guys play all, all 16 games, I think Henry has the better chance of scoring touchdowns. Yeah. I, I just do, you know, and, and so I think that the best were in a touchdown game. Right. I think that I probably fall on the both the usable on a weekly basis. I have both running inside my top twenty-five. Yeah. The best comparison I can think of from last year, and I think uh, I think the best comparison I can holding on for the moment is when Dalvin went down and Jerry and Tigers were kind of caught fire. Murray is not the player that Henry is, but he actually was very productive last season and he scored today much, but he has enough touchdowns to make him a worthwhile play from like every week eight on. I think it could be somewhat like that, just with a better performance from Henry. So there you go. That's that's the breakdown from the four of them. And uh, just for reference here, the general consensus across the industry right now has Dion Lewis at running back 22, Derek Henry at running back 25, ADP 
has Henry going currently at running back 17 with Lewis going at running back 27. And I'm actually with the public. I, I'm, I'm more in line with the public. I Henry at 16, Lewis at 29. And that's, that's how I see it as well. I've got, uh, Henry slotted in at 19 and I've actually got, uh, Lewis at 27. So it's just, for me, it's, it's, it's the injury history and the touchdowns. And I'm working on an article to this because this has really started to like polarize people. And I think people are looking at this with their rose colored Dion Lewis glasses on and they remember the guy who's had value at points in his career. And I'm not saying he won't have value. I've got him rated fairly high. I'm just saying in the red zone, I think it's Derrick Henry time. And right. I mean, I, am, I, am I crazy? It sounds like you and I are, are, are just spending all the show are just spending this, this whole segment agreeing with each other. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, look, so here, here's some stats I compiled just, just to kind of throw it out as it is. So last year, Deion Lewis was running back 15. He, uh, he had 35 targets in the passing game with the Patriots. Now, DeMarco Murray had 47 and Derrick Henry had 17. So you would figure that that 47 targets, that's probably going to go to Deion Lewis, right? I don't think More than gets, likely, don't he's going to be the pass-catching guy. I don't think he gets all of it, but he's going to get the lion's share of it. Sure. I mean, uh, combined total, they had 64 targets. I would say he probably gets a good chunk of it. Sure, I'd say it's at I, least 60-40. I would think he's, right. Uh, last year, uh, Deion Lewis was the primary back in New England, had 180 carries. Henry had 176. Murray had 184. They all had basically the same. It, it was mostly a timeshare. And then uh, DeMarco Murray finished, by the way, as running back 19 last year with 173 points. Derrick Henry as running back 36 with 134. I'm not trying to, like, I'm just trying to give you all the facts. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to. So uh, Henry here was running back 36 with 134 points, mostly because... He was getting the same amount of carries as DeMarco Murray, but DeMarco Murray had significantly more targets. And I kind of feel here that it's going to be the other way around because when you look at the, the main stat here that I'm looking at, Derrick Henry, 6'3", 247, right? DeMarco Murray, 6'1", 220. Two guys built very similarly, used very similarly in the offense, the only difference was they gave more pass-catching opportunities to Murray than Henry, and because of that, Murray outscored him in fantasy last year. Deion Lewis, 5'8", 195. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, absolutely. Deion Lewis is the smaller guy. He's built for third downs, and if you want to just put the cherry on top of the argument, the Tennessee reporting... Just a couple of days ago, it came out, they were talking about how Derrick Henry has basically been named the starter, and he's taking the first team reps. Yep. And that if you had to break it down, Mike Vrabel's going to run this team like the Belichick Patriots, just like everybody from the Patriot coaching tree tries to do, is that you have a parade of guys in the backfield rather than relying on one. And Derrick Henry more than likely is going to be the first and second down guy, as you already mentioned, he's going to be the red zone guy, and Deion Lewis is going to be the scat back on third downs. That 
That's just the way that it looks like it's going to go, which is why, like I said, I am with the public here, which yeah. I never want to be with the public. I know. Because typically the public is crazy. And also I saw that Tennessean article, and then I was like, but the Tennessean is the local newspaper for Nashville, so it's kind of like I trust it, but I kind of don't. So it's it's one of those deals as well where it's like trying to get your Cleveland Brown facts from the plain dealer. Like, let me know how that works out for you. But uh, unless it's Mary Kay Cabin, then you it's, you take it to the bank. But uh, – but in in this scenario, uh, it's it, I, I just don't see how. I mean, they're they're going to try and use Dion Lewis in the hurry up as well. I'm sure that there's going to be that aspect to the the Patriot style offense. You know what I'm saying? They always when they go hurry up, right. sometimes they put the smaller guy out there, and he's going to get some run in between the tackles and things like that. But I find it hard to believe that if the team is running the way that they seem to want to run it, which is they're going to try and you know, not have to throw the ball all over the field here. And it seems like the goal is it's going to be Vrabel just trying to pound the ball as much as he possibly can. And that seems like how the, if the game flow is going the way they want it to, it seems like you're going to see a lot of rushing opportunities. And in that, in that, in those situations where you're playing with the lead, I think you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry and less Deion Lewis. And I think they're going to be winning quite a few of these games. So I, I, I think you. I think it's it's got to. I got to be with the public here. And again, I agree with you as well. That is that is uh, always a risky proposition to be aligning yourself with the public. But I mean, that's the way. That's the way that I see it. Yeah. Again, of the two of them as well, Dion Lewis has had more issues with fumbling than Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. Also, when you're talking about the game being on the line, think about how terrible Mike Gillisley was last year. He was supposed <laughs> to be the power back for New England. And because of that, Deion Lewis was their goal line guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, even then, when when Rex Burkhead was healthy, they were putting Rex Burkhead in as the goal line guy. Yeah. like Literally, Deion Lewis got those goal line opportunities because no one else could do it. What was so frustrating about the Murray and Henry situation is because, like I laid out, they're built so similar, and they use them exactly the same. You never knew which one was going to go in during those goal-to-go situations. It, you were flipping a coin. So whenever you would start DeMarco Murray, well, that's when Derrick Henry would all of a sudden get a carry and go off. Or DeMarco Murray could drive you all the way down the field, and then at the last possible second, they put in Henry to vulture the touchdown. I don't see that working the same way here, because, I, like I said, I'm thinking it's going to be first and second down, you go Henry. Third down, you transition to the pass catcher in Deion Lewis. Yeah. And once you get into the red zone... Henry's going to be the one to pound in the ball. And I, I get the, the narrative that right now he's going as RB17, 36 overall. So he's going as literally the last pick of the third round. You're kind of scared off that you'd have to pay that price tag. But we have said it for how long now? You know, I mean, all of last year, for sure, and the year, most of the year before, right? If DeMarco Murray wasn't there blocking him, Derrick Henry's a top 10 back. I you can on, go back. I'm on record as saying that a bunch of times. So yeah, just on pure talent, on physical yep. skill, and the situation he's in. Plus, behind that line, yeah, behind that line, given the workload, Derrick Henry by himself would be a top ten back. End of discussion. Period. Yep. There's no talking about it. So Dion Lewis coming in and, and vulturing away some pass catches and maybe one or two touchdowns here or there doesn't scare me away from the idea that if I've got Derrick Henry locked in as my RB2 week in and week out, I'm taking that to the bank. Yeah, and that's kind of where I like him as well. If he, 
he would be a set it and forget it RB2. And if you had an embarrassment of riches at some point and you were starting him as your flex, I mean, you're going to the playoffs unless the rest of your team is just a complete dumpster fire. And I'll go back to my stat from last year that I uncovered, that I uncovered, which was this is no longer the case. But up until uh, the very end of last season, games in which Derrick Henry had more than 20 carries, they were like 20 and 0. And that can't be lost on them. The idea that, hey, when we give this guy the ball, we seem to win a lot of these games that we're in. We've said it before. If he got a lot more of the, the lion's share of the workload in that with DeMarco Murray not being there, he'd be a top 10 guy. And the addition of Deion Lewis doesn't, frankly, scare me as much as it seems to other people because I, I acknowledge that he's going to get a certain level of run. He's going to get some of those carries. But you listed it off right there. It was a hundred and what was it? Hundred? How many carries for Demarco Murray? It was 170, I believe you said, or 183. 184. Yeah. 184. And uh, I don't see how Deion Lewis is going to come anywhere close to that. And so we're not. I'm, in the same way that I'm going to give him the, more of those catches that Demarco Murray got, I'm not going to give him anywhere near that number of carries. So it's like if if he's getting that number of carries, it means the Tennessee offense is thoroughly broken. Because that's well, like I said, Murray got 184 and Lewis got 176, so they basically split it. But uh, as I said, it's because they were built basically the same way. It's also a function of that one of their running backs and the pillar of that was complete garbage, as you also pointed out. So he had to absorb some of that. I can't. I don't believe. I don't believe that the Titans, who have experience with Deion Lewis, uh, were picking him up with the like. No, we're going to give you half this job, like a a straight 50-50 split. I just don't. I don't think that's I don't think that's the the case at all. Uh, I would be I will be shocked. I will be picking my jaw up off the ground shocked if if that's if we wind up in some universe where Deion Lewis is suddenly the bell cow in Tennessee. Yeah, and then the other stat that I uh, I pulled too, which I thought was interesting. Of course, last year Deion Lewis was the first season that he had actually played the full sixteen games. It's the first season he's played more than nine games in an entire season when he started every game. And of the uh, the Patriots in the Belichick era, which I believe is, you know, quite a good sample size at this point, I would say, you know, almost two decades. Uh, I'd say statistically valid. Right. In the uh, in the Belichick era. All right. There have been 11 running backs who have left via free agency and gone to another team. Can you tell me how many of those had a better production the following year in terms of fantasy points? Oh, God, I could give you some of the names on that list, but let's see if any one of them did better. Uh, maybe Legarrette Blunt once, but probably not. No, um, the an- the answer of the eleven is none? two. Is it is it two? two? Okay, two. So uh, and and it's not even that crazy. Uh, so Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Oh sure, okay. Yeah, in 2012, uh, he moved on to Cincinnati, and he did 16 points better in Cincinnati. So basically, a point a game better. In, uh, in Cincinnati after being in New England the previous year. And even then, he was running back 22. And then, of course, the obvious one is Danny Woodhead in 2013 when he went to San Diego and became the pass uh, yeah. catcher. Yep, uh, yep. He did 66 points better in 2013 compared to 2012. Other than that, every other running back the year after they left did significant, not a little bit, significantly worse in their new situation. So Deion Lewis last year had 197 points. He was RB15. So now where is he going to slot on this list? I mean, and, odds are. I mean, odds are he's going to do, <laughs> I would say, it, there's no way he does better than that. 
right? There, there's no way he becomes a 200-plus point back unless he ends up with a ton of vultures and a ton of catches. Or or someone gets hurt or something. I or uh, And it wouldn't just be like Derrick Henry getting hurt. You'd be like, Derrick Henry gets hurt, and then a bunch of other running backs on the running back board also go down again, kind of like last year. Happens every year, but that's what I think that would take for him to be the same as or to return that value or be better than that value. You're looking at some sort of weird outlier like you're talking about, like something completely insane. So the question is, you know, of these two players, who is the one that you trust the most and and who is the better value? And when you answer those two questions, is it the same guy? <sighs> See, and that's a tough one because that's where we get into the argument that we were having right. in a roundabout way with them at the actual thing. Which is, yeah, I don't know if I on... mentioned it too, by the way, because uh, Lewis, like I said, was going RB twenty-seven at sixty-four overall, so he's going like in the sixth round. Yeah, and so that's the kind of the conversation we were having as well, because Yahoo and ESPN also have that rated differently, because it's based on the analysts that they employ's kind of consensus rankings. So on Yahoo, it's a bigger gap than on ESPN is one of those things. So you got to be just aware, as our yearly PSA also, just be aware of that kind of thing when you're comparing uh, data sets, basically, from different places. Sure, and when I'm rattling off the uh, the ADPs here, by the way, it's from FantasyPros.com, which does the uh, consensus of every available website. Yeah, so just a, uh, <clears throat> just a thing. I mean, if you're getting him, if you're actually getting Deion Lewis there, Lewis might be technically the better value, but the player I trust is Derrick Henry. Sure, absolutely. So I, I don't know if you'll co-sign that statement or if you feel that there might be some wiggle room there. I mean, like I said, I feel like if I'm if I'm getting all of Derrick Henry and I know what I'm going to get, I think he's got the potential to be a top 10 back. So if I'm getting yeah. him as my RB2... He might. That's that's the thing. That's the argument. Is if you trust him that much, then technically he could vault himself into being the better value. Right. I've got him at fifteen. I've got him at fifteen, and right now he's going at seventeen. So, like I said, to to me, I feel like that's that's a pretty decent value if I'm getting him at RB seventeen. It's not great, but it's decent. Whereas I have Dion Lewis at twenty nine, and he's going at twenty seven. So if I want him, I kind of got to overpay for him in my ranks. Yeah. So, so to me, the better value, as crazy as it sounds, is is Derrick Henry. And, and again, you're talking about a guy who I'd, I'd have to pay a third-round pick for, and he's going to be in a nearly a top 15 running back, and I'm saying that's a better value. That's how confident I am in Derrick Henry this year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm not super far behind you, and as camp comes out, I'll probably move him up, to be honest, because I got a couple people that I've been looking at and I'm like, eh, I don't know about you anymore as we've learned more about their situations moving forward. So it's, it is entirely possible that based on that. Chosen argument, one. <laughs> it is entirely possible that, that that is the ultimate answer is that he is in fact the better value. And also then we get into the idea of confidence in something, which is actually baked into the ranks as well. And if you're applying confidence measures to something, I have Derrick Henry getting, ton of confidence points because I know what his job's going to be like I'm very confident that I'm that I know this is going to be Derrick Henry 
first and second down. He might catch an occasional. He's going to catch a couple of passes for you. Not a huge amount because I don't think he's that great at catching, to be honest, or they'd have him do it more. But he's also going to, but he's going to be the red zone guy on a team that should move the ball. I feel very confident that that we know what Derrick Henry's job is going to be. And so that's why if it was, if you're applying confidence points to him, how many confidence points did you apply? Cause I pretty much gave him the max. 15 out of 15. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the big. So if you go by that logic, then yeah, technically you would have to say that Derrick Henry would be the better value if you are willing to push your chips into the middle saying he's going to be a, t- he's got top 10 guy and, uh, it's only, a, you know, it'd be having the best RB2 in, in fantasy potentially. Or, or if your RB1 isn't that great, you could frankly, you know, there you go. I made up for it. Well, I mean, that's not true because we all know the best RB2 in fantasy is Kareem Hunt. Uh, oh, that's right. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Kareem Hunt people. They're, oh, I love you so much. You can you can truth at me all uh, you want, Kareem Hunt truthers. It's uh, not going to stop that me. Hot, that particular take did not did not make you a lot of friends at uh, at the fantasy convention. <laughs> friends are overrated. <laughs> I'd rather be right. I'd rather win my league every year. <laughs> I want winners. I need them. I need them. All right, but that's but uh, that's going to put a bow on it. That's going to wrap it yeah, up for this week. Got to be. That's uh, you know, like I said, I just. I don't know if there's any more we can really go into it, and we'll we'll do, try to avoid this topic next week because next week we're going to get into the AFC South again. So let's let's, let's try to do uh, Titans that aren't Derrick Henry. And yeah, Deion Lewis. we'll do we'll do that? we'll do we'll do Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, the the abridged version, the you the, and and we'll do the literal quick hit of of what we just went through the bite for you. You want yeah. Derrick Henry? Moving on. Yep. <laughs> So yes, Go AFC and East and AFC South next week as we start our division by division previews. Maybe get a little bit more news to go through, but uh, yeah, this week Bears and Ravens reporting. Next week everybody else will be there. So uh, we're we're getting closer, sniffing it. Yeah. We're, get, we're getting there. Also gonna get real news and hard knocks and. Oh yeah, can't uh, wait for that hard knocks all, breakdown. Oh, it's that's all gonna be good. Starting. Oh, the Steve Hard Knocks segment. The segment that everyone is waiting for with bated breath don't knock it till you try it maybe oh, that's what that... we should name the segment i i like oh them. yeah They're... okay it's a it's got a lot of us in it it's a bad pun exactly <laughs> yep. yeah oh that's about right catch the fever <laughs> nine mistakes <laughs> oh god all right but that'll be good but uh, yeah, until next week, everybody, just uh, just keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the important nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com. <laughs>